everyone, and welcome to episode 440 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hi, Adam. How's it going? Good. As soon as I said 440, I was like, that is what he told me, right? That is the right number. (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. That's okay. I won't even like give you a hard time because I do that every time. It's my turn to... (laughs) Yeah. Um, No, I'm doing good. It's a a weirdly gray day here, but it's finally warming up. So it's feeling a little bit like spring. Yes. Finally. Finally. So, um, yep, just sitting here with one of my dogs as he will refuses to not let me record anything anymore. Um, I, do you want to tell your harrowing tale? Because <laughs> now that things are okay. Sure. Um, yeah. So um, my husband and I adopted two cats about, um, well, by the time this comes out, it'll be like two weeks ago. And... We already have two cats, and so it's an adjustment period for everybody, which if you have cats, you know that um, that's how it goes. Um, And so, you know, we had them in a separate room. Um, They're Zoe and Zelda. And then um, they started exploring the house a little bit, and they started finding sort of odd hiding places we never would have anticipated. Uh, Zoe, we once found in um, Ben's guitar amp. And then, um, then, uh, Zelda right now is like hiding behind his, I don't know if it's his like CD. She's like in the back of the, the tall, like, you know, um, stand where he has all his music, uh, like CD player and record player and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So weird hiding places. So Saturday night, this past Saturday, we go to bed and they're both under the futon in my office, which has been kind of their home base place for um, the last couple of days. So we go to bed Saturday night. That's where they are. Sunday morning, we find Zelda. I think he found her in one of our kitchen cabinets, which we have since had to baby proof. Um, So Zelda was in the kitchen cabinet and Zoe was nowhere to be found. And we spent three days tearing our house apart. I mean, literally tearing the house apart. We, my closet has never been cleaner or more organized. Because <laughs> for a while she slept in, she, I found her once on my shoe rack. So like we, um, so the basement door and the attic door were closed. So we didn't think she'd gotten up there unless she'd like magically found some hole, which is entirely possible. It's an old house. We didn't think she'd gotten outside. But um we could not find her. We like tore up box springs in the room where they had been. We like pulled everything off the beds. We like pulled every drawer out in um, the bedroom, like in his, in the dresser. I mean, like this, there was no spot we had not looked or so we thought, but um, so (laughs) we like didn't know. And like, we, it got to the point where we were convinced that she had gotten outside because we had nowhere else, no idea where she had gotten. We had no idea how she would have gotten outside because in all of our searching, we didn't find any holes or anything Mm -hmm. in this house. It's an older home, but you still would have thought that with the way we were searching everything that we would have found something. But I'm posting in you know, like our, our city has a local Facebook page specifically for lost pets. Um, and I was posting in there and then I can say this now, it's somewhat embarrassing, but, um, someone's like post to this other one, which is for all of Northeast Ohio and has a much bigger group of people. And I was like, honestly scared to post in there because I was like, 
what if someone from the Humane Society sees it and realizes (laughs) we lost a cat a week after we got it? So (laughs) I did not post in there. Um, And we kept like hearing noises throughout the night that we could not, that we didn't think our other cats were making because they were like with us or whatever. So yesterday, um, we're just like, the only place we had not searched was the couch because... And there are like places in the couch where if she got in, she could easily hide in the couch. And we're like, do we have to take the couch apart? Um, what are we going to do? And like all this stuff. And it had been like really, really difficult few days. So it's like, I don't know, six o'clock and I go in uh, to make dinner and I have to get um, foil from one of the kitchen drawers. Mm-hmm. And I... <laughs> I open the drawer and there's a cat butt just hanging out in the drawer <laughs> among the wax paper and the parchment paper and the foil. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, so I pulled open and she scrambled to the drawer next to it. Um, and so she's like going back and forth every time we pulled one of the drawers open, she's going back and forth between the drawers. So the drawers are above a cabinet, which we have our pots and pans in, which we had since baby proofed because of the other cat getting in. And so there's like a, there's a shelf in the cabinet and there is a ledge that the um, drawers sit on. So our guess is that she like got into the cabinet up mm-hmm. on the shelf and then like up onto the, the drawers. So we, what we had to do is we opened the cabinet, pulled both like pulled the one drawer she was not in out, started to pull the other one she was in. And then because she couldn't get into the other drawer, she's just like sitting on the ledge. The drawers were on. And then we, we like slowly started to push the drawers in, mm-hmm. forcing her into the cabinet, like down below to the cabinet. And she just like ran upstairs, like scrambled upstairs. To back to where my futon is where her buddy Zelda was because they were they were a bonded pair which is the other thing is why we adopted them together um so it was a very harrowing couple of days um mm-hmm. and so this morning we're like where is she going to be yeah <laughs> but she was under a chair in the living room like a normal cat and then <laughs> she is now under my futon um so we had, yeah, so the futon, my office, if you come up our stairs, um, at the very top of the stairs, if you go straight, they can go right underneath my futon, which is um, where they, yeah, that's been sort of their home base for the past mm-hmm. couple of days. And so I'm hoping she has like scared herself enough to not do that again. But yeah, I, it, so we like, I know we'll get to the books in a second. I know people are like, come on, talk about the books. But obviously we are big, we know people, we are cat and dog podcast too. And it's a common misconception that like, yes, I love dogs, but I also love cats. And so Jill tells our entire team at Overdrive, like, hey, I'm getting these cats and I'll be out of the office this day. And so I'm, I'm all excited. So like, I've been slacking in our team group, like, Jill, let's get some cat updates. We'll do some kitty updates. I'm all excited. And then I asked you on a Zoom call in front of our entire team, I was like, hey, what's going on with the cats? And then you told me it was this, Monday. And yeah, I was like, well, you had it exactly. So you basically like, we lost one of them. So in then our I, house. So I feel like a complete jerk and everyone's <laughs> rightfully so making fun of me. And I'm like, yep, I deserve all this. And so yesterday, last night when you posted an Instagram story about finding the cat, 
the I think the only person outside of you and your husband who is as excited that you found the cat was me because I felt like such a jerk. I was so excited. I was like, oh my god, thank God Jill's cat is okay. Well, I mean, like it's just we we have grown up with cats, both of us, and um we had you know we had previously had four cats um together and then you know whatever like life happens unfortunately cats get sick but um we have never had cats i have not ever had cats that hid in like super weird places and i hear about it all the time but have never had that experience Mm -hmm. um and we just and like we're not sure if we actually checked the drawer because there's stuff in that drawer i don't think it would have like we checked empty drawers like drawers we knew where there was probably space for a cat but i don't think we had checked that drawer or if we did she was playing some weird like hide and seek with us um and so it would not surprise me if at night she would crawl down and come out um and like you know use the litter box and eat or whatever and then we, when I baby proofed him, we probably locked her in there. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So cats, cats are so much fun. So They're fun. super cute. They're really cute. There, it's a Zelda is nine, Zoe is two. Yeah, they were a bonded pair, but they did not grow. Like they didn't come into the shelter together. They found each other um, while they were there. Um, so they, the shelter was super happy to adopt them out together. But yeah, I was like, I can't post in that big group. <laughs> because i feel like a terrible pet owner if she did somehow get out yeah i don't know how she would have gotten out yeah but i mean and we're like talking to neighbors we've never talked before to mm-hmm. before and we're like have you seen a cat around and so <laughs> but i'm like i can't post in that group if they find out that we lost a cat yeah a weekend uh, well <laughs> i know having done having shared our nerd nine and stuff a lot of cat lovers so i thought they would definitely be interested um we're not doing yeah. cat or dog books but i wanted <laughs> i wanted you to tell that story it was like so you told us this morning and i saw oh, it, God. it was so just good. i mean and like i can't even describe the surprise because it's not like i was yeah. looking for her right i had been looking for her and sort of opening the drawer hoping mm-hmm. she was there that would have been one thing that is not what happened i just like opened the drawer and there's just a cat sitting there mm-hmm. Yeah. among these boxes like you know mm-hmm. oh yeah that's, that's exactly where you that's one thing you would not have with a puppy you are always aware where they are just little balls of rambunctiousness yeah so um, we're hopefully she'll have stopped yeah. she'll won't hide in weird places but we'll maybe, see yeah so maybe we'll do some weekly updates um okay so today you likely noticed that it's just jill and i that have been hilarious if we had two people like two <laughs> just like hanging out listening just hanging out for like like when Kevin Smith does an intro in his podcast and he has a guest and it's like a 20 minute intro and you're like, they're yeah. sitting there. Um, no, so it's the end of the month. So we are going to do our May kind of book preview, which we do every month. Uh, we're going to go back and forth, talk about the books we're most excited for coming up that will be coming out in May. Um, just a disclaimer, as of right now, all of these books are coming out in May. I know there's been a lot of shuffling in the publishing world, and we both tried to like, confirm that all these titles are coming out in May. Um, but if you go to borrow one on Libby or go to buy, you know pre-order or buy one of these books, and it says like not coming out till September, you know that they're they're getting adjusted. But I think all of these are coming out in the month. Um, mm-hmm. We will put all of them in the show notes, so don't worry about that. And. How many, how many are on your list today? I think I have eight. <clears throat> okay. 
I picked like 11, but I think we're going to have a couple. I, like, I grabbed a couple okay. that I'm pretty sure you're going to have as well. Um, if you guys want to get a hold of us, you can do Instagram and Twitter at ProBookNerds, or you can email us, ProfessionalBookNerds at Overdrive.com. Um, all right. Well, I guess I'll start because I've got Wait, it. one more thing. Oh, yes. If you joined us yesterday for our webinar rec- uh, book recommendation thing with reading glasses, welcome. Yeah. Hi. I was, that was so exciting. I asked you before we did all that, I was like, do you think Mallory and Bria would be cool with this? And you're like, yeah, let's try. And like when I sent the email to them, they're both very busy and they're our friends. And I was like, I didn't even be back for like two days. And I was like, Mallory and Bria hate me. And then like immediately they responded. They're like, yeah, it yeah. sounds amazing. So yeah, thanks for joining us. And if you're here because of that, hello. You picked a good one because this, I know for a fact, this is Bria's favorite thing that we do every month. So, um, Okay. My first one is actually the book I've been looking forward to most this year. It's called Hollywood Park by Mikhail Gillette. Uh, he is the lead singer of the Airborne Toxic Event, which is one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, their most famous song is called Sometime Around Midnight. Uh, it came out when I was in college, I think. I'm such a nerd that I wrote a short story based on it. Um, I'm trying to interview him for the podcast just because I figured why not Let's see if he'll come on uh, no idea for sure yet one way or the other but um, he's had a really really crazy interesting life he was born into the Sin Anon cult um, and his family escaped when he was really young and then he had this like just a childhood full of like poverty and addiction and emotional abuse and um, on top of being a musician and having this insane uh, upbringing, he is extremely literary. Like he is a huge book nerd and all of his lyrics to his songs, I like to call them like operatic emo is how I would describe the band. Um, Cause it's very much like emotional, but they have like violins and like huge harmonies and all this amazing stuff going on. And his voice is incredible. Uh, a lot of this, like you can see a lot of literary inspiration in a lot of his lyrics. So Hollywood Park is a new album of theirs. It's coming out at the end of May. And he wrote this memoir to go along with it. So uh, I've been reading it over the last couple of weeks. I got an advanced reader copy. Um, and it's just amazing. I'm so excited. For it. it was it's every bit as good as I hoped it would be. And the first two songs of the album have been released. And those are just as good as well. So they haven't released an album in like five or six years. And they're like I said, they're one of the bands that um, young emo Adam was very obsessed with and continues to be. So yeah, uh, Hollywood Park by Mikhail Gillette. It's, if you're a fan of music or of cults or it's so good, so good. My first one is Big Summer from my buddy Jennifer Weiner, who I interviewed um, last year, two years ago, I think. I can't remember. Um, So she's back with another one. Jennifer, of course, is so good at examining um, relationships uh, between women. She's done sister. She's done, you know, multiple multiple generations of the family. Um, And this is about two friends, Daphne and Drew. And... They were really good friends for a while and then had a fight six years ago that completely ended the relationship. Um, Daphne has since become a um, plus size Instagram influencer, which I love. Um, and it's not surprising coming from Jennifer. Uh, and yeah. so, so Daphne is like in this really good place. Um, and then Drew comes back and she asks Daphne to be 
the maid of honor at her wedding, which Daphne is quite surprised by because they haven't talked in so long. And then, of course, you know, as part of the wedding festivities, um, Daphne has to go to this like weekend thing at Cape Cod. And it's just sort of, it sounds like it's one of those things that Jennifer is so good at, which is just examining um, the complexities of female relationships. And I'm super excited. So that is Big Summer. Nice. Um, I actually have one more memoir that I'm excited about. Um, Officer Clemens by Dr. Francois S. Clemens. Um, if Officer Clemens sounds like made a light bulb go off in your head, um, Officer Clemens was the police officer from Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Um, so there's been a lot of Mr. Rogers content coming out lately, and I'm all for it, because that's another one of the things that I was raised on, much like pretty much every other child for like the last 50 years, I think. Um, but Officer Clemens was, uh, he was the first African-American actor to have a recurring role on a children's program, uh, which is wild because mm-hmm. while the show has been on for a long time, not long enough for that to be a thing that's, should be remembered, but um, his story as a, just as a human being is really, really fascinating. Um, he, his early years were in Alabama and actually he's from Ohio as well. He went to Oberlin College, which is right near us here in Northeast Ohio, uh, where he was a music major. Um, and then he began to kind of look into, like he embraced his homosexual, homosexuality. And then there was this random chance encounter with uh, Fred Rogers that kind of changed the whole course of his life and just um the man has lived an incredible life he's been all over from new york to russia and berlin and california um, he's a grammy award winner he's just like one of the most beloved figures in not only children's content but just in the world and um i was really excited i didn't know this was coming out and and now i'm excited to read it because like i said any content related to mr rogers neighborhood i'm on board for so yeah that's officer clemens My next one is All Adults Here by Emma Straub. I don't want to talk too much about this because Emma's going to be on the podcast in a couple of weeks. I got to interview her at um, Midwinter, uh, which seems like a really long time ago. So long ago. Like like years, when you went to Midwinter, four years ago. (laughs) Really? No, it was two months ago. Uh, So, uh, yeah, so I don't want to talk too much about this because we talk about it uh, in the podcast. And it's going to be interesting trying to edit that one because we both like during the interview, we had two people stop us at like two different times. First to compliment, uh, like to compliment me on my pink hair. And she had this very, I can't even describe the shiny, shimmering like coat Ir- thing she like had iridescent? on. No, it was like a, if you took, um, oh, tinsel. It mm. was like tinsel on her coat. And I can't imagine anyone else would be able to pull off that coat. Anyway, so yeah, we got stopped during the interview. So we'll see if that makes it in. So, <laughs> but her book, All Adults Here, um, is about, you know, sort of this idea of when your kids grow up and, you know, you are an older adult and you're watching your kids are now adults and suddenly sort of that relationship with your children changes. Um, and, I had such a fun time um, talking with her about it. Her dad, which I did not know at, uh, up until like a couple weeks before the interview, her dad's Peter Straub, who is a horror writer. Oh. Um, yeah, that was my reaction <laughs> when I was like doing research. So, you know, we like, we talk a little bit. So like her book's about family and again, like that generational thing and how 
now that I'm an adult, I know my relationship, you know, with my parents has shifted slightly. Um, and the book, uh, is, you know, Emma Straub in that way that she writes, which is just fantastic. So, yeah. and it's all adults here and yeah, she'll be on the podcast to talk more about it in a couple of weeks. Speaking of people who will be on the podcast and have been on the podcast multiple times, uh, Brad Meltzer has a new book coming out, The Lincoln Conspiracy. He wrote this with Josh Bench, who helps him do a lot of the research. I uh, don't need to spend a ton of time on this because it's very similar to the first conspiracy, which was all about a plot to kill George Washington. Uh, the Lincoln Conspiracy is all about this secret plot to kill uh, Abraham Lincoln and how it failed. Yes, as he mentions in the podcast, he's like, yes, I'm aware Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. I did, I'm, you, please, this is not about that one. Um, there was a assassination attempt basically like right before he uh, became president. It was like on the way to his first inauguration. And just there are, there's no one, if you're interested in history, like there's no one better than Brad. He's so good at this stuff and um, the research that he puts in, but also just like the way you'll hear it on the podcast, much like the other like five or six times he's been on. He's just a storyteller that he can take things in history and bring them to life in a way that like no one else can. So uh, if you are a fan of, uh, of history, of US history, and you really liked the first conspiracy, the link conspiracy is, is just as good, if not better. It's phenomenal. So that'll be also later in the month. My next one is Catherine Howard, The Scandalous Queen by Alison Weir. So of course, last week I talked about how I um, was reading, rereading The Other Bowling Girl by Philippa Gregory. The other writer who is well known for her books about um, the Tudors is Alison Weir. She started as a historian and has written a ton of nonfiction, but over the last couple of years has started a series called The Six Tudor Queens, where each of Henry's wives gets their own novel. And this is about Catherine Howard, who was uh, the fifth wife of Henry VIII. Um, and just to sort of give context, Henry was 49 when they married, she was 19. Um, she was, <laughs> she, <laughs> yeah, so she was very young. Um, she came after the fourth wife, Anna, Anne of Cleves, who Henry, um, Honestly, she, Anne got like the best of all of the uh, outcomes of the wife. The um, best of the outcomes. <laughs> no, I'm telling you. So like, it's, I, know I mean, spoiler alert, but you know, you can count. So we're talking about the fifth wife. It's um, divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. So he divorced Anna Cleves um, because we can read about it. But uh, so we can read about it. <laughs> no. So he divorced her because um like he felt that the he was sort of he felt like he was catfish is probably the best way to describe it mm -hmm. um in terms of what she looked like so she shows up um she came from not england and um he felt like he was catfished and so he starts <laughs> looking for a nice young bride and he comes across Catherine howard who is a cousin ish of anne boleyn um Catherine was raised in the um the courts and uh she's often described by history as sort of this like um oh flighty is maybe mm. you know she's she's young she's a teenager um and is maybe not the most um 
like rule following when it comes mm. to the courts. I mean, so like the book is Catherine Howard, the scandalous queen. Yeah. So she's sort of, she's young. She's being, she's got this attention from the King of England. Um, and he's like giving her all this like gowns and all this fancy stuff. And she's like, this is great. Um, not really quite realizing he doesn't have the best track record when it comes to wives. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm I'm super excited. I love that uh, Allison has been doing this with each of the wives, um, giving them their own books, and she's got one left. So that's uh, that's all about Catherine Howard. Your like love hate relationship with the the tutors and it's like my it's one of my favorite ongoing things about i don't i don't have a love-hate relationship with the tutors i actually love the tutors i have a love-hate relationship with how they are often portrayed yes so a better way of saying it the tutors themselves specifically the six wives i have i have an entire bookshelf uh like a there's i think i have like i don't remember anyway like a bottom bookshelf um in a bookcase that is i think mostly uh, Allison Weir's books, mm-hmm. fiction and nonfiction, and the nonfiction ones are organized chronologically. Um, <laughs> Sounds about right. Uh, I think the fiction books are probably <laughs> also yeah. organized chronologically um, based on the, the history. So sometimes I just get upset with the way that they are portrayed. I think because you this is one of this is like that rare situation which does not really happen i think that often in history you don't need to embellish anything (laughs) so i don't understand why people do yeah (laughs) i think is where i i fall down uh on that which is why i get upset i'm just like why you don't need to why are you Mm -hmm. doing this you don't need to (laughs) yeah um speaking of the name Catherine, uh there's a book called Catherine house (gasps) oh yeah do you have this on your list yep you know what I'm gonna no, pick no, a different no. one. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, because this has your it has your wheelhouse thing. It in does, it. which so is why we'll, I picked it, Adam. <laughs> yes, I know. I was making sure. Okay, we'll come back to that. I'll let you talk about it because it I saw it and I this was one of the ones I put on my list that I was like, just in case Jill somehow missed it, because it has your infamous, yes. yep. infamous specific thing. Okay, I'll we'll, we'll let you do that one. All right. So my next one is Goldilocks by Laura Lamb. You have this one too? I almost put it on, but I did not. So Okay. All right. So uh, this is described as basically a mix of uh, The Handmaid's Tale meets The Martian. So there is um, some time in the future and there's a lot of increasing restrictions on the freedoms of women on Earth and Valerie Black is spearheading the first all-female mission to a planet in the Goldilocks zone, which for people who are unaware, it's used really, really often in science and also science fiction. Goldilocks zone is where you would find a planet that is much like Earth, like just right. It has the exact perfect uh, situation where life could be sustainable on that particular planet. So uh, it's humanity's last hope for survival. And Naomi, Valerie's surrogate, mo- uh, surrogate daughter and the ship's botanist has been waiting her whole life for an opportunity like this uh, and to step out of Valerie's shadow and really make a difference. Uh, but then, of course, as you would suspect, things start going wrong on the ship. And Naomi begins to suspect that someone on board is concealing a terrible secret and then they realize that the clock to get off of Earth is much, much shorter than they actually realize. So um, I love The Martian. Uh, obviously, we're a big fan of The Handmaid's Tale on this show. Uh, so combining those two things sounds really, really, really interesting. So uh, that is Goldilocks by Laura Lamb. 
Uh, okay, so I am going to talk about Catherine House, and then I actually have another book that also falls into my wheelhouse, um, which I might talk about just together. Yeah, go for it. I'm curious okay. if it's the one that, did I interview the person who wrote it? I have no idea. I'm excited I can to never, find out. I can never remember who we it's all good. interview. It's go really terrible. It. Okay, so um, yes, as has been previously discussed um, on this podcast, my absolute favorite genre of book is murder at an educational institution that involves a close-knit group of suspicious characters. <laughs> and it is, it is a very specific thing, but whatever. It's, it's what I like. So Catherine House um, is a school of higher learning like no other. Hidden deep in the woods of rural Pennsylvania, this crucible of reformist liberal arts study with its experimental curriculum, wildly selective admissions policy, and formidable endowment has produced some of the world's best minds. So among this year's incoming class is Inus, who expects to trade blurry nights of parties, cruel friends, and dangerous men for rigorous intellectual discipline, only to discover an environment of sanctioned revelry. Even the school's enigmatic director, Victoria, encourages the students to explore, to expand their minds, and to find themselves within the formidable iron gates of Catherine. For Inus, it is the closest thing to a home she's ever had, but the house's strange protocols, I'm in, mm -hmm. soon make this refuge with its worn velvet and weathered leather feel increasingly like a gilded prison. And when tragedy strikes, Inus begins to suspect that the school, in all its shabby splendor, might be hiding a dangerous agenda within this secretive, tightly knit group of students, see, see, selected is. to study its most promising and mysterious curriculum. Um, I put this on hold immediately. <laughs> <laughs> so did I. When I came across it. Uh -huh. So that is um, Catherine House by Elizabeth Thomas. The other one I have is Ghosts of Harvard. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. what I thought. You Talk about it. Okay. By uh, Francesca, is it Saratella? Saratella, yeah. Saratella. Okay. So uh, Cadence Archer arrives on Harvard's campus, desperate to understand why her brother, Eric, a genius who developed paranoid schizophrenia, took his own life there the year before. Losing Eric has left a black hole in Katie's life, and while her decision to follow in her brother's footsteps threatened to break the family apart, she's haunted by questions of what she might have missed. So she goes to Harvard, and all she has with her is a blue notebook of Aaron's, uh, Eric's cryptic scribbles. And as she sort of starts to explore, um, she herself begins to hear voices seemingly belonging to three ghosts who walked the university's hallowed halls or huddled in its slave quarters. Well, yeah. So um, <laughs> um, among them is a person whose name has been buried for centuries and another whose name mankind will never forget. So, you know, she starts to wonder if she also has developed schizophrenia or is she sort of tapping into something else? Um, so I'm very excited. Uh, I can confirm this book is fabulous. Uh, so Francesca, actually a friend of the show, I guess, I think she'll be on next week. Like she listens and she's, she like, Oh, we she did talk about she's... that. I think so, that's right. Well, this is one of, so Francesca is for people who maybe think they recognize her name. She's Lisa Scottolini's daughter. Mm, uh, so mm -hmm. Lisa Scottolini, wildly popular. Um, they, they sh we talked about on the podcast, I think like Chicklet is what they kind of, they write together. So Francesca, this is her debut novel. Um, but her and her mother, Lisa Scottolini, collaborate on a ton of stuff. They do a weekly, uh, new, they do a weekly advice article in the Philadelphia Inquirer, 
and they also have written tons and tons of books together basically just like these fun mother-daughter like rom-com chiclet uh things a lot of it's usually nonfiction. i'm saying all of this because if you borrow or buy ghosts of harvard expecting what you normally would see from francesca and lisa you will not get that this book is phenomenal but it is way darker um she's been working on this for a really long time and um she, i mean like there's a pull quote from jody pico like on it it's it, she the amount of people that are excited about this book and rightfully so because it is so good um and she actually did a video for us if you go to everyonereads.com there's a lovely video of her um talking about why she loves reading but yeah ghost of harvard phenomenal book i assumed you're gonna have it on there but i also did but i i guess that i think i think it's next week um that that's on there um, and I feel like, oh, I probably should have known that. And... No, because I have looked, <laughs> I honestly looked forward in May, the episodes that we have because mm-hmm. the, in June, because there's some that you did. And I was like, I don't remember who, I don't want to pull the books. Right. So yeah. I totally get it. Guys, we interview a lot of people a lot of time in advance. And so it's tough. And um, sometimes independently. So we don't always. Honestly, a lot of times independently. It, it's that is true. Yeah. Um, okay, my next one is called A Children's Bible by Lydia Millet uh, or Millet. This is not a children's book. Not at all. Just pulling that out there. Uh, Lydia is a Pulitzer Prize finalist, and she also is a National Book Award longlist finalist from her previous book, Sweet Lamb of Heaven. Uh, so this follows 12 eerily mature children. This is, I think, one. This is like one of my kind of wheelhouse things I didn't realize I love. Is like um like a stand-by-me kind of a adventure type of a thing. So... There's these 12 mature children who are forced to go on this vacation with their families. And then uh, the parents basically pass their days in they're drunk and they're having sex and they're getting high and all sorts of stuff. So the children feel neglected. Um, and then lo and behold, again, something happens. There's a destructive storm that just basically destroys the summer estate and the children are left to fend for themselves. And the group's uh, kind of ringleaders, including this main person, Eve, narrates the story they try to run away and figure out what's going on. And they realize that there's basically an apocalypse around outside. And it's uh, following all of the things that happen in the book of Revelations. So uh, it just sounds super, super interesting. This is another one of those ones that as soon as I saw it, I smashed the put on hold button. Um, yeah, it's, I talked to, I think, a couple episodes about how I love, I'm not a super religious person, but I love like the stories of the Bible and things about that. So the book of Revelations always scared the crap out of me. Uh, so a novel set in those times sounds really interesting. So A Children's Bible by Lydia Millay is how I'm going to say her name. My next one is The Book of V by Anna Solomon. So this is um, compared to The Hours and Fates and Furies. I, I absolutely loved The Hours. So I'm really excited for this one. So um, it is about three women over uh, the course of three um, like centuries. So Lily is a mother living in Brooklyn um, and she's sort of in 2016 and she's sort of in a position of trying to figure out who exactly she is as a woman. Um, She's a mother, she's a daughter, she's a second wife, she's maybe a writer. So she's just sort of in that place of of figuring out how to manage all of her roles in life. Vivian is a political wife in Watergate era Washington um, who has a very ambitious husband but one night he demands a humiliating favor and her refusal to obey changes the course of her life. And then Esther is a fiercely independent young woman in ancient Persia 
where she and her uncle's tribe live in a tenuous existence outside the palace walls. When an innocent mistake results in devastating consequences for her people, she is offered up as a sacrifice to please the king in the hopes that she will save them all. So I always love this idea of, you know, examining three different women. Are they connected? Are they not? Um, you know, the similarities in their lives and the choices they make or the choices, you know, they don't even have the option to make um, set across three different time periods. So I'm really excited for um, the book of V. Yeah, that sounds so good. Uh, my next one is The Library of Legends by Jenny Chang. And, and I feel like anytime there's a book that has the word library in it, one of us is going to pull it up. Uh, this sounds really, really interesting. It is set in China in the mid-1930s. And basically what happens is Japanese, uh, Japan starts bombing China in this city, this non-king. And there's this 19-year-old named Julian and her classmates. Uh, they're told to flee and they have to walk across a thousand miles to safety in the western provinces of China. Um, and there is, of course, a threat the whole time that they're going to get bombed. But it's not just that they're trying to escape. They're also entrusted with this priceless treasure of a 500-year-old collection of myths and folklore known as the Library of Legends. And so as they're going on this journey, um, there's all these interpersonal relationships that you uh, dive into, whether it's friendships or romance or whatever it is. Um, but at the same time, there's also the threat of being attacked and all these family secrets and then uh, you also notice that the uh, Library of Legends, these stories of these myths and folklore, they start to seemingly come to life. And there's these um, various like demons and dragons and just all sorts of things that appear to be coming to life and you don't know what's real and what's not. So uh, love a, uh, a journey type of a story, love a story about ancient books and love a story that has a little bit of dark folklore in it. So sounds really, really good. A lot of things. Um, jump off the page for me. So that's the Library of Le the Library of Legends by Jenny Chang. My next one is um, Happy and You Know It by Laura Hinkin. So the there's a pull quote from uh, Jill Santopolo who says it's what would happen if the woman from the Nanny Diaries met the woman from Sex and the City in the social <laughs> media age, which is about all I I needed. So this is about Claire um, who. Uh, has a former band who got super, super famous and she is unfortunately not part of the band anymore. So she is forced to take a job as a um, playgroup musician for wealthy infants on New York's Park Avenue. And as she takes this role, she discovers she actually really loves the moms um, who come to this, um, described as a welcoming clique of wellness addicts with impossible shiny hair. <laughs> I'm like, got it. I already know exactly who we're exactly. talking about. But um, but they all seem like super nice and very welcoming. And she loves kind of hanging out with them. But as uh, she grows closer to them, she starts to discover, naturally, that <laughs> there are things beneath the surface um, that, <laughs> I love this, no amount of activated charcoal can fix. <laughs> Again, I'm like, I totally understand the type of people in this book. So um, <laughs> Happy and You Know It is a brilliant take on motherhood, exposing it as yet another way for society to pass judgment on women, while also exploring the baffling magnetism of curated social media lives. 
Ooh, so good. So I have an advanced copy of this that I picked up at midwinter. Um, I may have to at this point. I just finished a book. Um, mm -hmm. Move it to the top of my list. The cover is super fun. Uh, it's got like, you know, little enamel pins all over it, which mm -hmm. is just delightful. So that is Happy and You Know It by Laura Hankin. Nice. Uh, my next one is called The Mermaid, the, the Mermaid, the Witch, and the Sea by Maggie Takuda Hall. I saw this and I was like, oh, that's an Adam. Listen, guys. <laughs> Again, if you've been listening to any amount of time of this show, you know another one of my wheelhouse things is just badass lady pirates. <laughs> Come on. This is like, this is perfect. There is uh, an orphan. Uh, her name is Flora. And she gets on the ship and disguises herself as a boy named Florian so that she can become a pirate. And then there is like an adult pirate named Lady Evelyn Hasegawa who there's this arranged marriage that she doesn't want to get involved with and flora and evelyn find out that they have something deeper of like a deep bond but between the two of them and they don't expect to fall in love but maybe they do and they're on this uh wild they're on a wild escape but they're also trying to free a captured mermaid of course they are the mermaid is covered for her blood of course the mermaid is there's magic and there's mermaids and there's pirates and again, I read so little of the introduction before I put this on put this on hold. Badass Lady Pirates. I, what else do you need? It's, I'm so excited. The cover is fabulous. Um, I believe this is, yeah, this is young adult. So probably a little bit more tame than some of the other stuff I've been talking about. But yeah, Lumber Made the Witch in the Sea. All for it. My next one is More Than Love, An Intimate Portrait of My Mother, Natalie Wood by Natasha Gregson Wagner. Mm-hmm. Do you have this? I don't. I assumed okay. you would have it. So I, um, Natalie Wood, of course, is, uh, she was a Hollywood icon. She was in um, Splendor in the Grass, Rebel Without a Cause, and West Side Story. And she um, went missing um, and then was eventually found um, dead via drowning off of Catalina Island in the 1980s. And no one is still exactly sure what happened. She was on a boat with um, her husband, Robert Wagner, her co-star, Christopher Walken. And then um, I believe there was also the captain of the boat. And they're the only ones who know exactly what happened. And no one's really saying anything. So mm -hmm. um, it's always been one of those Hollywood mysteries. The case was reopened, I think, uh, like 10 years ago. Um, and I still don't think anything was really found out. Um, so this is written by her daughter, Natasha, who, um, was from her first marriage and it's just sort of, you know, a book about growing up with Natalie Wood as your mom. And then of course, um, explores what happens when, you know, your mom dies in such a way and just sort of coming of age in that, um, sort of environment and, yeah, so that is More Than Love by Natasha Gregson Wagner. Nice. Uh, my next one is Forged in Fire and Stars by Andrea Robertson. Uh, this is drawing a lot of comparisons to like Lee Bardugo's Grishaverse and then Game of Thrones. And uh, it's really, really good. It's the start of a new series. So if you're a, looking for a, a, a YA fantasy romance, this is really up here. Allie, uh, Ara has always known the legend of the Loresmith, which is the blacksmith who served alongside the kings and queens forging legendary weapons to arm warriors and protect the king. 
She's been told that it's her fate to inherit the title and become the next Lore Smith, but since the monarchy's downfall and a vicious conquest years ago, Ara has never truly believed she would be able to take up the duty. But when the lost princess and prince steal Ara from her quiet life with a mission to retake the throne and return Ara to her place as Lore Smith, Ara's whole world turns upside down. Uh, this sounds really, really good. The cover is, is beautiful. And um, Andrea, Andrea Robertson wrote, has written a ton of really, really popular books. Uh, I'm very, very excited about this. I got an early copy a while back and um, it was phenomenal. And um, yeah, I just, if you're looking for, again, like another one, like a, a YA fantasy that you, you know, want to really like escape from whatever you got going on right now, this is a perfect one for you. That's forged in fire and stars. How many do you have left? Um, I can do one more. If you... Okay, yeah, I have one more left. Okay. So my last one is "Who Ate the First Oyster" by Cody Cassidy. <laughs> um, and so this is a book about the greatest firsts in history, which I just love. You know, because it's one of those right. Because you're like, who? You know, there's things you're like, who would have thought to do this? Um, and so Cody. Uh, digs deep into research to uncover the untold stories of some incredible innovators, such as who told the first joke, who drank the first beer, who was the murderer in the first murder mystery. <laughs> Just, I love it. And of course, who was the first um, to brave the slimy pale oyster. And I just, you know, I just love this idea of yeah. going back and looking at first, because it is one of those things where you just, I think like I, I remember it obviously at the beginning of all this with all the sourdough and people are like, oh my God. Who, like who thought to make sourdough? Like, mm -hmm. Who was the first person to be like, I wonder if I do this, you know what I mean? Or mm -hmm. just, uh, you know, and like it, how much of it is an accident also is what I'm interested in to sort of find out. Um, but, and that's the thing, like thinking about like beer or wine or something like that, like people have all they found all these like ancient recipes how to make beer like the way that the egyptians did and it's like who was the first person that was like okay so i got a bunch of grain i'm just gonna sit it out in the sun for like three months and we're gonna drink it like it is wild i love i this is i i did not right know. i know i actually saw and i speaking of that i saw someone um who god i can't remember who he was i'm sure i can find it on twitter again but who like I can't remember if he like studies ancient cultures or if it's specifically bread, but he had been trying to make an ancient bread from, I think, Egyptian time mm -hmm. and had like, you know, they would bake bread in these um, pots that they put in the ground, I think. Yep. And he had like somehow traced the grain. I, and again, you're like, how do people think of these things? Like who would think to bake in the ground in um yeah so I'm, I'm excited for that one i have thoughts on the sourdough thing but we've been going at it long <laughs> enough so i well sure can't believe people were like ah finally here's my time to make a sourdough starter uh, my last one is the mother code by carol stivers which i think we both got copies of um haven't it's on my to read list but it, it does sound really really good so it's 2049, which I feel like these dystopian future books are going to need to either get a lot closer to right now or a lot further out. Mm -hmm. like, uh, but it's 2049, and the survival of the human race is at risk. Uh, Earth's inhabitants must turn to their last resort, a plan to place genetically engineered children inside the cocoons of large-scale robots 
to be incubated, birthed, and raised by machines. But there is yet one hope of preserving the human order, the intelligence program uh, programmed into these machines that renders each of them unique in its own right, known as the mother code. Uh, so it, the story follows this character named Kai, who is born in America's desert southwest. Uh, his only companion is his robot mother, Rosie, R-H-O hyphen Z. Fantastic. Um, and then they're equipped with the knowledge and motivations of a mother code. Rosie raises Kai and teaches him how to survive. And then it just kind of tells their story and moves through what this all means for humanity. So it sounds super, super interesting. Um, I'm very interested to see, again, I, I'm dystopian stuff I've been kind of avoiding, but this one, I think I'm ready. Um, so that's called The Mother Code by Carol Stivers. And before we go, I want to know, because you were reading the Hunger Games stuff, are you going to read the prequel? No. I really don't right. care enough about reading about some fictional white man who comes to power. And yeah. um, no, also, thank you. Can we not make a book about President Snow? I, I don't need to make him like a character that I want to like. Correct. I don't need to understand his motivations. I mean, I know I'm not going to read the prequel. Okay. That's, like, I, let's, let's just like leave, you know, again, because I'm like, what? I don't. President Snow is the villain. I don't really need to read about why he is the way that he is. That yeah. is no interest to me at all. And I don't quite understand the purpose. You know what I mean? Like there, mm -hmm. I feel like there are lots of other things if you're going to write a prequel. that you Hamish. Can... Yeah, like Hamish. Yeah, I would read a book about Hamish. I mean, even if we know how it ends, obviously, and like how he... Because yeah. I was like the first, no, the second quarter quell. And... Like, I would read about that. I would read about how, you know, like, how actually they decided to make the mm -hmm. sections what they are, um, which would have been before Snow's time, obviously. So, like, I would read about that. Yeah. No, I'm not reading those. Stuff. I can't imagine a world where she was like, I've built this incredible situation and people are really interested in it. You know what's the, the prequel they probably want to know most about? The jerk everyone hated. All right, sorry. Okay. That's a whole other podcast. Okay, I was just curious because I, I didn't think either of us were going to talk no, about it. No, I'm not. I'm not. Okay. All right, so those are our May picks and one very much not May pick um, and a harrowing story of Jill's kitties. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. um, again, everything's in the show notes. Uh, thanks for sticking with us for a little bit of a longer one because I wanted you guys to hear about the, the kitties. So, uh, that's everything. You guys can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from overdrive.com. And our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. We are gathered here today to give you permission to plan the wedding that you want. I'm Jessica Bishop. And I'm Sari Wienerman. And we're the hosts of the Bouquet Toss podcast. Today's couples have to juggle so many things from family expectations to outdated traditions and what's currently trending. So to make it easier, we're going deep to figure out why we do weddings the way that we do. So you can decide what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans. 
You are cordially invited to subscribe to The Bouquet Toss wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. By the power vested in us, we pronounce you free to plan your day your way.